0: the Faith is Not Blind podcast. I'm Sarah Devonier, and here I'm talking with Tori. We're really glad Tori is here because she helps us understand sometimes how difficult it can be to be a convert to the church and stay in the church and some of the difficulties that come even when you're relatively young. So thank you for being here with us, Tori.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. (laughs) Would you just talk a little bit about um, your childhood and your first encounters with the church and how you sort of found out about the church and
1: yeah. So my story's kind of it's a little crazy. Um, and that's why we have you here. Yeah.
0: We want a few crazy stories. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so
1: I actually so I don't know if like I'm like considered a convert, but I was born into the church. So my mom and dad um, both raised me in it and my three other siblings. And we went to church every Sunday, uh, we did family home evening, and my parents were very faithful. And so I grew up um, only knowing the church, and that was my life for, the, for my first nine years of my life, yeah. so up until I was nine. And do you want to, where was that? Let people know where you were, where were uh, you? San Diego, California, okay. yeah. Okay. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I was super in a very um, Mormon-centered household my first nine years of my life. Yeah. yeah, And then what happened after that? So when I turned nine, that was kind of when, I guess it started starts to become like a conversion story. So I had kind of a testimony of Christ when I was nine, um, but it was mainly just my parents. So when I turned nine years old, my parents got divorced. And that was when my mom uh, moved out of my Uh, parents' house. So I moved in with my mom and my brothers stayed with my dad. And my dad kept going to church, but my mom stopped. And because I lived with my mom, I stopped going too because I did what she did. Yeah. And what an interesting story. And and this is why I think
0: I would label you as sort of a convert Mm -hmm. and because there's this sort of interruption in your Mm -hmm. story and interruption in the building of your faith. what did that look like especially to have so much consistency at mm-hmm. first? I mean, if if you looked at the first part of your story, you'd just assume, well, okay, there she goes, she's on mm-hmm. the path, but to have this sudden interruption as a 9-year-old, how did you perceive that? What what did you think of um at at that time? How did it Yeah,
1: work? so there's like no way to really prepare a child for a divorce, but there's also really no way to prepare a child to make such a shift in their life from believing this is how you're supposed to live and then it now is an option so for me it was really confusing because i didn't know it was right anymore because i thought that the route that i grew up living was right but now i'm seeing that there's a different way to live so my thought was okay it looks like it's time to live a different way and it was really confusing for me for a lot of years because of that that's because that's what I now thought was living the gospel wasn't mandatory anymore, that it's just an option or maybe it's not even true. And that was my thought process for a long time. Yeah, so at what point
0: did, was there a shift sort of back to your beginnings with mm-hmm. your gospel
1: roots? So this is like, it's kind of a long story, but um, I had turned 16 years old and my aunt and uncle who live in Utah had invited me up to stay with them for the summer and i was super against it at first because you know i didn't really want to like spend my summer with a bunch of what i would say mormons and going to church and just like going back to that lifestyle i just was not interested but they kept like asking me they're like come on like come come visit us it'll be so fun so i ended up going up for the summer and i went to church again for the first time and at first, it was super bizarre. It was super weird because I was in Young Women's and I skipped the whole um, like first beginning of Young Women's, so it was it was weird. Like I like missed Primary. It was like a big gap that I skipped, yeah. and so it was a super weird transition. And I was being thrown in with these girls who were like super faithful, and they're singing hymns that I didn't remember. Uh, some of them came back to me, but I didn't remember a lot of them. And I was taking sacrament and. I just remember being super overwhelmed by it, but um, over a course of time, I started to realize that this was what true peace felt like. And I won't go super into detail of the things that occurred during that gap of when I didn't go to church, but there was a a lot of darkness that I experienced and a lot of things I got into that really kind of just like really brought me down, I guess I could say. Yeah. Things that were very worldly and didn't really bring me real happiness. And I was seeing for the first time what true happiness was and what it felt like. Not even happiness, it was like true joy. And that was that was like a turning point in my life when I realized that, and I, I started to actually gain my own testimony and realize that this was this was the path I wanted to take. And even though it was gonna be difficult, that this was something that I wanted to do. So that was, Probably the turning point, um, if you want me to go further into it. yeah. Um, I ended up coming home that summer and it was the summer before my senior year of high school and I had the option, my aunt and uncle asked me if I wanted to spend my senior year in Utah and at first I was like, oh, I don't want to leave my friends, you know, and it's just going to be super difficult because I have to make new friends and go to a brand new high school. and start going to church again, like that, like if I move to Utah, that means like that's it, like I have to stay on that path. So I went home to San Diego and it was a few days before my senior year was starting and I just remember sitting in my room and it was late at night and my mom had left to work that night, she works as a bartender and I was just sitting in there and I was thinking, I was like, I have to make a decision fast and it was the first time that I had been alone in a while because in Utah I was around my cousins and my aunt and uncle. So I was alone for the first time and I was really having time to really be introspective and really think and I just remember thinking to myself, just feeling so sad because I couldn't figure out what I wanted. I, I knew that I couldn't sit on the fence. I knew I had to choose either the gospel or the world and it, there was no other way I couldn't sit on the fence for the rest of my life. So I was just sitting in my room and I just remember praying and just crying and trying to figure out what path I wanted to take. And I said a prayer that night, and I was like, Heavenly Father, I I don't know what I should do, but all I know is I just don't want to be alone right now. And I just, I just need someone. And I just, and that, that was all I asked for. And I went to bed that night, and this story, I don't really talk about it that much because it's such a real, this was like really the turning point of my my testimony and really choosing my path, but. I was laying down and it was about like 12 in the morning and I fell asleep and I remember waking up and I heard dishes like clicking and like banging in my kitchen and was like that's odd and it was like 2 in the morning and I was like what is my mom home from work what is she doing and I just like closed my eyes and went back to sleep and I remember waking up again because I could see my door kind of creaking open and I like looked at the corner of my eye, and my eyes were kind of like foggy because I'd been crying all night, so I couldn't really see that well. And I just see it creak open, and I was like, is that my mom? So I close my eyes and just go back to sleep, and I just remember feeling someone kiss my forehead and just give me like a hug. And the, the feeling that came to me was just warmth because that was something my mom would do for me when I was really little. When I'd go to sleep, she would kiss my forehead and give me a hug, and she didn't do that. She hasn't done that in years, so I just her doing that to me was like, it just meant everything because I, she hasn't done that in so long and that was exactly what I had asked for. And so I went back to sleep and I was just so happy. And I remember waking up and it was like seven in the morning and I like got up and I ran to my mom's room to go thank her for doing that and she wasn't home. So I called her and I was like, hey, like, did you go get breakfast? Like, where did you go? And she was like, I spent the night at my friend's house last night. And I was like, what? You didn't come home. And she was like, no, I didn't come home. She's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm okay. I just, I thought you were here. And so I hung up the phone and I sat in my room and I just, I I couldn't figure out what had happened, but I thought about it and I I prayed about it. And I realized that, so my great-grandmother died when I was nine years old. My parents had gotten divorced and it was, a really hard time for all of us, but I remember she loved to cook, and she'd always be in the kitchen, like, banging pans, and um, the feelings that I got, and I remember when I was little, she would hug me, and she would kiss me, and I I sat down, and I, I thought about it, and I realized that Heavenly Father had sent her to me, and it was just such a turning point in my life, because I knew right then that it didn't matter how far I had sunk, how far I had gone off the path. Heavenly Father was there the whole time, and I think the lesson that I learned from that was it doesn't matter how far you think that you've sunk that he can always reach your hand down. And I know that not a lot of people have experiences like that, and it's still crazy to me to think about. I still can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. I, To me, I, I've talked to my mom about it, and she thinks it was my great-grandmother too, but I know that he really does listen and he hears you and he sends you people. And that after that experience, the day after I called my aunt and uncle and I said, I want to go to Utah and I want to spend my senior year there. And from there, I, that's why I'm here. It was that experience that got me to BYU, Idaho and really grew my testimony. Wow. What an
0: amazing experience. And especially for you to feel that connection, um, not just to God, but to family, mm-hmm. especially realizing you were going to have to leave your mom behind mm-hmm. in some ways to be able to move forward. Um, as, as you went to Utah, it would be nice to, to just assume, well, everything is just mm-hmm. going to be wonderful, um, especially with that experience mm-hmm. in, in, in your heart to mm-hmm. take with you, to comfort you. After that time... What kind of difficulties did you encounter maybe that were unexpected, that that tested this resolve? Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's it's going to be all one way or all the mm-hmm. other. Were there ways that it made it difficult to continue that path, even, even with that sacred experience mm-hmm. that you had had?
1: Yeah, so for sure. Um, there was a saying, I forget who told me what they were like, once you start to live right, that's when the devil really tries <laughs> to pull you back. and living in utah was probably one of the toughest experiences of my life because i really had to face a lot of things that i didn't think i was going to um living in san diego uh there was a lot of um lot of culture uh so much culture and so and i i had experienced as a kid you know some people were like oh like your hair is so curly or you know things (laughs) like that but never anything that was like super like racist or anything but um Moving to Utah, that's when it was really a culture shock for me, and I realized that I do stand out here, and I now have to explain to people, like, what I am, and what my parents are, and why my family's white and why I'm black, and it was definitely a very hard transition for me, um, having people come up to me and be like, sorry, but what are you, or can I touch your hair, you know, things like that. and. Um, There have been comments and things that I had to really overcome in Utah that really did test my faith. And there were times when I thought to myself, like, is this even worth it? Does does God even really love me because I'm different? And times when I'd look at myself and I'd think, wow, I am not happy in my skin. And I think that was probably one of my biggest tests of my faith living in Utah. So how did you work through that? Because people might want to assume
0: members of the church will be compassionate, they'll be mm-hmm. open-minded, they'll, they'll, they, they won't ask mm-hmm. questions that show ignorance. How did you work through that instead of just going back to California?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't easy, um, for sure. I, I still struggle with it today, but the one thing that really just got me through it was going back to the scriptures and there was this one scripture I don't have my phone on me but it's in Galatians I think it's Galatians 3 verse 28 I think but it basically says there's neither June nor Gentile you're all one in Christ and reading that I remember I was I think it was in seminary I my teacher read that verse and I just I just like froze because it really doesn't matter your race or you know what kind of hair you have, or you know even what you believe. You're you're all one in Christ, and that was what got me through it. It didn't matter what friends were saying about me, or what people in church that were passing by said, or what even my family said. What mattered was that to Christ I mattered to Him, and I. It didn't matter the color of my skin.
0: Yeah. And and I think that's it's beautiful to be able to remember that. Um maybe sometimes it's harder not to be angry Mm -hmm. at the people Mm -hmm. who are giving you that. Mm -hmm. How did you avoid being angry or um, sort of blaming those people and saying, okay, they're the church? How were you able to separate Mm -hmm. that out to say, okay, this is how God is. Mm -hmm. And sometimes his people maybe aren't like him. Mm -hmm. How were you able to separate it so that you didn't, become angry at them and didn't become angry at God because supposedly they're supposed to be his mm-hmm. people.
1: Um, that's definitely something that I really did struggle with coming back to church because I had already had like my questions, you know, and I thought, you know, if this is true then like the people should be, you know, very accepting as well. And I learned that there, people aren't perfect. And no matter where you go, you're never going to find perfect people. Mm-hmm. And I, I just realized that you know people are born in different areas and grow up thinking differently, but you just have to love everyone and getting angry solves absolutely nothing. Um, I think about Martin Luther King and you know how he solved things very peacefully and I definitely look up to him so much because he he took so much hate and he still told his people that we need to be peaceful and don't don't result to violence and I think that nothing, would ever get solved. If I was to get angry or, you know, resentful and hold hate towards people that said things about me, I wouldn't progress and Mm. I wouldn't be happy. And even though it's still something that I do struggle with, I, I just think about what really matters is what Christ thinks of me. And that, you know, some people just don't know that they're being ignorant. Some people don't know that they're being hurtful and being patient with them and, you know, explaining to them this is what I am. And I'm a daughter of God, just like you, a daughter, son of God, like you, and he loves all of us. And we shouldn't judge anyone because of yeah. differences. Well, and you're definitely talking about
0: the ideal. I'm glad that you're willing to say it's work mm-hmm. and it's really hard. And maybe every day it day it, it isn't as easy mm-hmm. to say those things um, to yourself. Um, just in case there are people who haven't had experiences with this, um, who maybe don't know what it's like to be the recipient of racist comments or hurtful comments. Would you just talk about how those comments make you feel mm-hmm. so, th- so that maybe we can prevent people who might not, who might not be mm-hmm. educated about this?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so there was this one specific comment that I got that really, like, it just, it basically just ate away at me inside. Um, <clears throat> I was told because i'm half black my dad's black and my mom's white um that because my mom is white that i'm breaking a curse because i have half white in me and to me that and the person who said it was not trying to be hateful and they weren't trying to make me feel bad they they really just thought that they were speaking facts and that they were they were happy for me that i was breaking this curse and which is, it's ridiculous when you think about it, but this was really their mindset. And to me, it, it just like pierced a hole in my heart um, to think that my skin is a curse and not a blessing. Um, so I just probably wanna say that um, it hurts to feel like you have to defend your skin. Um, I think some people don't really know what that's like uh, to feel like, especially in America, um, let alone just in the church, but Um, having to constantly defend your skin color and it I think interracial marriage was only legalized a little over 50 years ago so it's still really new so there's not many people that are biracial but um, we exist and we're still trying to find a place in this world and um, just because I'm half-white doesn't mean that my I don't still feel the baggage that my ancestors felt when they were on the fields and so it it definitely does um, does hurt, but I think that just educating people and really just letting them know that our skin's not a curse, that I take a lot of pride in who I am, and even though words do hurt, I, I'm going to take that and I'm just going to keep pressing forward. And I think that's what a lot of people, especially in the church, people of color who are struggling with that as well, to just remember that it doesn't matter what anyone else says. It matters what, what God thinks of you and He loves you. It doesn't matter what your race is and just educate people and be a walking example of Christ. And that's the most important thing you can do.
0: Yeah, and and I do, like we said in the beginning, think of you as a convert, especially a convert to Christ, especially mm-hmm. when you've encountered such difficulties mm-hmm. both in and out of the church and, and with family situations. Um, some people might wonder... With the things that you have experienced, why you would choose to stay in this
1: church. Mm-hmm. So what keeps you here? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good question. I have struggled with that my entire life and even still being at BYU, Idaho, um, I oh, it's like they say, you have to live in the darkness to really appreciate the light and, I spent so much of my life in the dark and there are still times that I do spend it in the dark and I just I have felt what joy is even if it's just for a second and I know that that's what I want and I know that the only place to find it is in the church and it doesn't matter that like aside from racist comments or you know questions and just all the opposition I faced the joy that I feel in this church outweighs all of it and the love I feel from Christ, just, you know, going to church and taking sacrament and praying and reading scriptures and just feeling the blessings that come from being faithful outweigh all of the darkness. So that's what's kept me. And also just seeing how being an example to like my siblings and my mom and my dad, how it's blessed their lives as well. And knowing that I'm not just doing this for myself, but I'm doing it for my future husband and my future kids and that there's so many people that are gonna be affected by the choices I make right now and I feel like that's just what's kept me and just being so happy here and knowing that there's there's so much good to come and so much light that that I can just feel by being at this church so that's what's kept me
0: well I just I just think of your family line Mm
1: hmm
0: and you're just a blessing to everybody I mean, you're spreading the blessings is what you're doing. You're spreading the the blessing of your heritage Mm -hmm. and the beauty of your heritage. And you radiate that. There's just so much beauty. And thank you for for sharing it and and for passing that on and for educating people with joy. Thank you so much, Tori. Thank you.